think back to the, the assembly programs when we were kids. They were just weird, you know, and dumb and patronizing. <laughs> and, and they weren't – like the, I don't remember any of them. I don't remember the information. I remember – Just the, say or, no. Just, just don't do it. Just Yeah, or they yelled, they yelled at you and, you know – or we had the drug-free puppy lady that she was playing with poodles and then, and then she'd stop yeah. and look at us and look at the poodles and go, these puppies have never smoked pot. In like, high school. Right. Like, <laughs> so what I'm trying to say with that is that, you know, a lot of times these, these communicators – Hold on. Hold on a second. You can't just you can't just go beyond. You just can't bring up. You had an assembly where a lady showed up with poodles in high school and said that they were drug free puppies. You you gotta and, go. A little, and, I can't and, let you go past that. And you can be a drug free puppy too. <laughs> That's what oh she said. Oh my to us. word! Yeah, we were. Me and my friends were like. We're the stone puppies. Are they in the van or something? You know, that's <laughs> Bring horrible. the stone puppies out. It would be a way better, yeah. way better assembly. I'll, I'll stop doing drugs right now. <laughs> Have you ever felt like talking to your kid was like talking to a, well... Hello, Walt. The truth is, your teenager wants to talk to you. They would love to tell you all about their world outside of your home. Meet Mike Donahue, youth specialist, school culture expert, school assembly speaker, communicator, author, and all-around cool dude. He has over three decades of experience connecting with teenagers and would love to help you connect with yours. Join us for this dynamic podcast. Hello, Walt. Hello. Welcome, everybody. I am Steve Hayes. I am a thought leader and a happypreneur. And with me is Hall of Famer Mike Donahue. I call him a Hall of Famer because he's been working with teenagers for well over three decades. That means he's pretty old. Very old. He's an author. He's a school culture expert. He's a parent. And this is his podcast, Talking to Brick Walls. And I just am delighted to be able to go along for the ride. How you doing, Mike? I'm doing awesome. Excellent. Excellent. I thought we could talk about chapter one today, the right questions. Sure. Now, of all the things that you are, I didn't mention youth communicator, but you are a youth communicator as well. But you also say that every one of us that are watching, every one of us that are listening, we are youth communicators too. Is that right? You say that in in chapter one, that we're all youth communicators. Yeah, because what a youth communicator really is, is somebody that's trying to get your information assimilated. The key words assimilate. They, they, it doesn't matter whether mm. you say it. If you say it, you're not a communicator. If they understand it, they get it, then you're a communicator. You're a, a, an effective communicator. And so what you're trying to do, obviously, is get whether you have an audience of you know a thousand that sometimes I have or an audience of one or two, you're doing what you can to get this information cut up or, or put in a way that they're going to take it in to their, you know, their system and hear it. And it's like, it's like a piece of meat. You know, you want your child to eat good food, but maybe they don't like meat or they don't like green beans or whatever. So what do you do? You put a little something on it to make, you know, sugar or something to sweeten it up. But what you're trying to do is get that good nutrition into them. And that's what the communicators do. They're, They're trying to get good information into that young person's life and to, so they can assimilate it. So just saying you are, doesn't necessarily mean, I mean, you, you need to work at that. Right. I don't remember which language it is, but I there was a language that they don't have separate words for teach and learn. It's one word. Oh, wow. Yeah. So in other words, 
if you're not learning, I'm not teaching. Right. I can't say, well, I did my part. They didn't do their part. As a youth communicator, it's more you walk into a place just like I do, and we decide to talk to whatever crowd. It's usually teenagers. But if we're not connecting with them, then we're not really communicating with them. In fact, you even said something in here about the way to reduce teen suicide as well as violence, self-harm, and bullying, among many other things, is connectedness. And so to be a good youth communicator, we need to be able to connect with the people that are listening to us. But you're saying, are you saying that as a parent, we've got to really work hard at connecting as a communicator, as a parent with our kids? Is that what you're saying? Yeah, we need to connect into their world and we need to understand what they're going through so we can get them to assimilate the information that we're trying to get into them, right? I look at it like if, you know, um, if most most people, it's, you know, I wish I had the bowl here, but if most people are either bowls or cups or bottles. And so the, the bowl, if I, if I took, a, if I had a bowl, a cup, and a bottle here, and I poured water over those three vessels, obviously the bowl is going to take in more of the water because it has a greater capacity to take in the water, right? So the bottle doesn't. It's got a small little hole here, you know, and, and so it's not going to take in a lot of water. The point is we want our kids to take in as much information as possible and assimilate it into their lives. But sometimes they're a bottle, sometimes they're a cup, sometimes they are a bowl where they're taking in more. A good youth communicator doesn't just pour the water. A youth communicator, a good youth communicator, gets the kid from a bottle to a cup and a cup to a bowl. And so what do you do? That's a connect. That's the only way to make that happen is to connect to them. And, you know, whether you're a teacher or whether you're a, a parent, you want that personal connection because that that opens them up. I think about some people in my life that were able to say some things to me. Uh, the same content was said to me by other people, but I listened more. I became a bull more when the people that were telling me connected into my world and understood me better. And so it was a uh, that 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 was what opened me up and it made me a, a you know a, a wider vessel to take in the information. That's a great. It's a great illustration. I love that. We talked about it in last episode a little bit about your third grader is a bowl, right? They take in anything you throw out there, even yeah. if it's not worth anything. They'll, mom and dad says it. They take it in, right? But, right. you know, a bowl is made out of glass. So we've got a we've got an olive oil container, right? But it's not. we don't keep olive oil in a bowl. It's in a small thing. It has a little spout. But to put the olive oil in there, you have to use – you have to do it differently than you would do it in a bowl. And just because your student – your child, uh, whether you're an educator or you're a parent here, they, they, they're still the, that same person. They're still that same material, that glass, but they may have switched their shape because that's what growing up does, right? So I hear you saying that we just got to find whatever way we can to assimilate that information into them. We can't do the same thing we did when they were in third grade. Yeah, and you think back to the, the assembly programs when we were kids. They were just weird. You know, and dumb and patronizing <laughs> and and they weren't like the I don't remember any of them. I don't remember the information. I remember Just the, say or, no. Just just don't do it. Just Yeah, or they right. yelled they yelled at you and you know or we had the drug free puppy lady that she was playing with poodles and then and then she'd stop Dude. and look at us and look at the poodles and go, These puppies have never smoked pot. In like, high school. Right. Like <laughs> so what I'm trying to say with that is that you know, a lot of times these these communicators. Hold on, hold on a second. You can't just you can't just go beyond. You just can't bring up. You had an assembly where a lady showed up with poodles in high school and said that they were drug free puppies. You you got to go. And, I can't and, let you go past that. 
And you can be a drug-free puppy too. <laughs> That's what she oh, said. Oh my to us. word! Yeah, we were. Like, me and my friends were like, "We're the stone puppies. Are they in the van or something?" You know, and that <laughs> bring the horrible. stone puppies out. It'd be way better. Way better. I'll, I'll stop doing drugs right now. <laughs> but that whole that whole system doesn't really work, right? And the no, whole and, here, and here's you just why. say no. It doesn't work. Yeah, here's why. And here's why I wrote the first chapter is in the book. It, it, the premise of the first chapter is that kids are asking questions you know they're they're they have questions they're asking so when i walk into an assembly i'm not assuming that they're asking if drugs are bad for them that's why i don't talk about that right i'm assuming that they're they're asking other questions and they are they're asking and then we, you know we're going to get into this with this chapter but that's that's the common mistake that youth communicators do is they answer questions that people are not asking Right. The best way to keep a crowd is to answer the questions that they're asking either overtly or they're outright, outright asking them or they're just walking around with these questions about life that you you as the communicator are going to answer those. And when you hit it, they're, they're surprised. I can't even tell you like how many – I this, this just happened to me where a kid came to me and said after I got done doing the assembly, they said, I had no idea you were going to be that good. I, I thought you were going to like – be like every other adult and bore the cheese out of me. And I, well, all I do really is answer questions I know they're asking. And then I got the room. I own the room because of that. That's a great segue, actually, to the next question I want to ask you. In Chapter 1, The Right Questions, you talk about there's really basically just four questions that every teenager asks. What are those questions? Well, the first one is, and this is going to sound really simplistic and a little bit sad, but it's but it's true. They're asking, "Should I live?" You know, the suicide rate is through the roof with with teenagers today, and why is that? So obviously, that question's being asked, but you know, how do we answer that? Right? I mean, they're they're asking that question, "Should I live?" And that's you know, that's that's powerful. And the thing I don't like about my job. I love my job. I, I speak in schools all over the country. But the one thing I don't like is when I go into a school and there'll there'll be a suicide and they'll say to me, This is one we just didn't see coming. Not that the ones that you do see coming are any easier to handle, but when they tell me that, when they say, We didn't see this one. This kid was, you know, seemingly happy. He was on the football team. Da, da, da. They go down this checklist of all these things that, you know, that they didn't they, they he was checking off the list. You know, he was checking off the boxes that he was happy, he was good. And then all of a sudden, you know, he ended up dead. Well, obviously he was asking that question and nobody knew he was asking the question. And so wow. again, that's a that is a big question. The second question is am I Hold on a second. So let me pause you there for a second. Yeah. What help us out? What are some ways that someone could be so they're asking that question, but we're not picking up what they're throwing down, right? So what are some ways that a student asks that question that maybe you could help us spot? Well they they if they're fixated right now on negativity, if they're if they're always putting themselves down. If they um, if they bring it up, like they bring they bring up suicide, or um, or they're they're super depressed where they haven't been. You know, all of a sudden they they're getting really uh, irritable and and maybe they're depressed and uh, they they've slowed down a little bit on their communication with you. These are some of the signs. There's there's also um, you know you can you can actually you know go on websites and there's a list of different things. But but bottom line is if they if they start fixating on 
negativity where they weren't before. You know, you know something's going on. You know that they're they're under a lot of stress and there's some pressure there. Right. And so you know you want to start asking some questions. And just because they're asking that question doesn't mean they're suicidal. It just means am I valuable? Is my life worth living for? Why am I? In other words, why am I here on this planet? So we don't need to necessarily get concerned and go, oh, no, my kid is negative. Therefore, that doesn't mean they're necessarily suicidal, but they're asking the question, how valuable really is my life? So students, want they want to know what their purpose is. They want to know if they're valuable. Is that correct? Yeah, that's the second question. Okay. The first question is, should I live? Second question that I think they're asking, and I've dedicated my whole life to this question. I've dedicated my whole school assembly program. I've written books about it, which is, am I valuable? Yeah. And that's a very important question because when they're young, they know they are because you're their world and you're investing in them and you care about them. Um, you know, if if your kid, you know, if and it's sad to say, but there's some kids that. Are, they do come from homes that are, they're not getting that message that they're valuable. I, I was one of them. I didn't. My parents were divorced, and my mom was overwhelmed with raising four kids on her own. And so, and then I had relatives that were, you know, drug abusers and substance abusers and abusers. And and so I was getting messages that I was not valuable. And so that played into how I treated myself. To me, the indicator that they don't value themselves is in their behavior. Right. But it's not we talked about this a little bit before, but bottom line is behavior follows belief. So if somebody doesn't believe in themselves, they don't they don't they don't like themselves. They'll make choices based on that value. And so the problem is, there's two different values going on. And I want to break this down. We're going to talk about this a little bit more in our value up. There's a whole chapter dedicated to this in in my book, Talking Brick Walls. But but bottom line is there's a difference between intrinsic value and social value. When they were young, they understood that intrinsic value very well because they were in a controlled environment where you love them, you care about them, you're nurturing them, you have you know grandparents that are saying the right things to them, coming in their birthdays and doing all these things that say to them that they're valuable. That they have intrinsic, God-given, universe-given, however you look at it, value because because of you know how because they're born that way. They're born with value. The problem is, we talked about this last last time, but the, the when they turn 12, their social world says, no, you're not valuable unless or if, if right. you have the right you parents, perform. if you if have you, the right look. Yeah. Right. right. The big if. It's it's if. That's that's the, the balancing act for them now. They used to believe they were valuable because they just got up in the morning. Now they have a whole different set of rules and a different um, thing, you know, different expectations from their social world and from you um, and, and from us as parents that they have to negotiate. So that's the question. Am I valuable? Yeah. How, how do I determine that's my good. value? The world's telling me that I'm valuable only if I look a certain way or do a certain thing or I get so many likes on, you know, on social media, that kind of thing. And so, and then the third question uh, is, does life get better after it gets hard? And that is a question they're asking because life does get hard in COVID. And it's a, it's a good question to ask too. We should be asking ourselves that right. question because when you face the truth of that, that brings hope. Yeah, right. And COVID put that right in everybody's face. Because even if you were sailing along in life and everything was going great, 
all of a sudden COVID mm. went, no, uh, take a break. You know, you get to, you get to stay home for six months or eight months or however, yeah. you know, what happened to you. But bottom line is that scared a lot of people. And that basically the reality of the fact that life isn't controllable, that something like that could happen at any moment. I mean, we live in a world that's pretty, you know, it can be scary. It can be, it can be. And so that the question they're asking is, you know, if if they go through a divorce or you know, your parents go through a divorce or if, if there's a death in the family. Just this week, I had probably four kids come to me and, and crying. One of them was talking about their dog dying. And I, that sounds trivial, but man, this girl was just falling apart. And the, and the dog whose name was Betty Lou. It was so cute because she was eighth grade girl. Aww. and she was But she was sobbing and just saying this dog meant everything to her. And you know, and I could see the the tension, the dilemma she was facing. Basically, was she was saying, I, "I don't know how to go." You know, this was a devastating thing that happened to me. And there was some other kids talking about grandparents that had passed away. Was interesting was they were giving me. I just noticed this. They were giving me the the exact dates. Uh, October, da da da. My grandmother died. Mm. You know, my dog died on September, da da da. And it was interesting that they knew the date because it was that impactful to them. You know, that that event was was a question they're asking, like, can I get over this thing that happened yeah. to me on September yeah. 21st or whatever? We might think that that's trivial, but, you know, you've told me the story of, and sometimes I use it when I speak in the assemblies for value up as well, but that young lady, that young girl that came up to you or that student that came up to you afterwards and said, I know my, my boyfriend is using me. And you're like, dump the chump. I mean, why are you still with him? And she says, I would rather hear I love you fake than not hear I love you at all. And you said, you mean your parents don't tell you that they love you? So some of these kids, it might seem trivial, but that dog is unconditional. Right. That dog will love that Betty Lou, right? And so it might seem trivial to us. and go, it's just a dog, get over it. But for some of these kids, they don't hear a lot of love. They might hear it at home, but they certainly don't hear it at school. But that's why that dog would be so valuable. Right. And this takes me into question number four, which is the moneymaker, in my opinion. I think that all three questions lead up to the fourth question. What is the fourth question? Is this effort that you're asking me to give towards life, whether you're a parent or you know educator, is it worth it? Is there is there purpose for me? All this effort you're asking me to put into this, d does it matter? You know, and uh, I think that that is because we are pushing them. You know, and, and if they're a co you know you're a coach, if you're a parent, you're an educator, you're pushing them to achieve. You're pushing them to to do things that are hard for them and they're asking the question is this is this going to be worth it for me at the end you know because they're looking around life and going some people don't make it some people don't live their dream some people are just surviving am i going to be one of those am i going to be a survivor or am i going to be a thriver and 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 how do i do that what's the difference between somebody who's thriving and somebody who's you know just surviving and so you know i think that's a really good that's a question they're yeah. asking you know and for me you know Hearing a guy that's been talking to teenagers for well over three decades, you know that they're asking that question because they ask you that question and you know how to read between the lines as well. To me, the biggest point is that our kids actually are asking that question and we need to 
realize that and go, wait a minute, my kid really wants to know. Because I think we think we take that for granted. Of course it's worth it. You know it's worth it. We tell you all the time it's worth it. We tell you all the time that you're valuable. But these are questions that, I mean, I, I say this sometimes when I go on, I speak places, whatever. I tell people about speaking places. I say, man, when you speak in elementary schools, you just can get in the mic and say, I'm cool, and they'll believe you. You know, you go to a, a preteen, you go to a middle school, and you'll be like, I'm cool, and they'll say, well, prove it. Well, if you have some stupid human trick or you can burp on demand or something, say that, you know, you're stupid, you're cool. You prove it to them. High school, you know, you tell them you're cool. They say, prove it. And you're like, I just did. They said, yeah, but that was so five minutes ago, right? You prove it again. That's their whole line is prove it again. And, And they know that it's worth it. We've told them that it's worth it. We've told them that they're valuable, but they're asking it again. Because they're facing a whole lot of pressure at school, and they keep asking it, and they're asking it on a regular basis. And I think for me, what I'm taking out of this is that my kids really are asking that question, is it worth it? And when I realize that, when I take a moment and I step into that, I start to think, you know what? We get done with this podcast here. I need to text my boys and tell them that it's worth it. Tell them that it's going to turn out. Because they really are asking these questions. Once again, the four questions are, should I live? Am I valuable? Does life get better? And is it worth it? I'm going to ask you if you want to say anything to wrap it up. But before you do, I just want to pull out one more thing that you said from chapter one. Because this this podcast isn't just for parents of teenagers. It's also for educators. You said in this, and I, I want to tag on this because I, I just thought it was so good. You said that you, you see teachers and administrators as your heroes. Can you go into that real quick? Well, yeah, because... You know, the every the questions get answered. The questions get answered in the comings and goings of life. You know, in a like in a in a healthy home situation, you don't have to fixate on the questions because they're getting answered, right? You're you're loving them. Should I live? You know, you're 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 showing them that life is valuable. You know, you yourself go through a hard time. Maybe your parent dies or something like that, and and your kids watch you handle it with. You know, yeah, it was vulnerable and you would, it was tough on you, but you made it through. They're watching all that and they're getting those questions answered by the way you live your life, right? But then there's also kids that don't get those questions answered that your kids are going to school with, right? They're, they're going mm-hmm. to school with these kids that are going home tonight to messed up situations. And I hear them all the time. And so I'd rather hear I love you fake than not hear it at all like that girl. Exactly. Said, right? Exactly. I mean, I can't tell you how many times that a variation of that has been said to me. And so I say that because educators are the next person in line to answer the questions. I had Mrs. Kenny. I had Coach Bartasek. I had Mr. Goldfarb. I had these are people that that were answering questions for me as a surrogate parent kind of they they had to jump in there and answer these questions directly for me no it's not the same thing as my dad doing that and my mom or grandparents but they were the next in line they were the next adult that that were answering those questions and that's why my heart goes out to these educators that are not just doing a job but they're they love kids and they're trying to their best their coaches the you know the FCCLA yeah. advisors, and and that's a, a club that's in schools that I do a lot of work with them, and I look at these advisors and these teachers, and they're they're really trying to input into these kids, but they're not their parents, so they don't have the same leverage, right. they don't have the same authority in their life, but they mean so much to these kids because they're these 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 educators are answering these questions 
um, directly and by loving them, by caring, by, by investing in them. I just read something this today. I just liked it on Facebook. There's a teacher or an educator I work with in Iowa. She's a principal at Griswold High School in Iowa. And, and she, she said, I had a win this weekend. And she just described, ah, start crying. She just described like that she got some kids that don't usually smile to smile. And she she posted that and said, I, I won. I had a win this week. You know, the, and, and that that to me is what it's about, you know, is getting a kid to smile, getting you're answering a question. You don't even know you're an, you're you're answering it, but you're answering it by the way you love, the way you care, the way you invest um, and, and parents. Same thing. You don't have to fret about these questions. Just it, just keep loving on your kid. And those questions are getting answered. And sometimes those questions when they get in trouble or they they, they get into to some heat with you and you still love them and you still believe in them and you're you're you know yeah you're laying down a consequence but you're also you know just assuring them that they're okay that's answering the question as well yeah you you actually said in chapter 1 you said some questions are answered in how we live and not what we say how some answers are are answered through quality time through them seeing us and I and you know at Happy Life Studios we have come up with a definition for a hero as a person who does the right thing at the right time for the right reason and when the pandemic hit you know we gave all sorts of shout outs and credos and and to all of our first responders and we should because they were amazing heroes but our teachers have also been first responders in this whole thing only they don't have parades in their honor they don't have you know they don't get a lot of public recognition and honestly a lot of them don't even want that but i want i wanted us to give it to them anyway because we see you as as heroes educators and we appreciate you and, and parents we see you as heroes too. They see how you live your life. Don't give up on your kid, man. They need you now more than ever before. And uh, the way you live your life, and, and that, that includes making mistakes and saying you're sorry. It includes trying to figure it out and letting them watch you try to figure it out. Anything else that you want to say before before we leave? MikeDonahue.co. 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 And uh, you, can, you can find his book on there as well and follow along. Thanks, Mike. That was right on. And thank you guys that are watching and listening. We appreciate you. We appreciate you giving us your time. Bada bing, bada bang. Hello, Walt.